0: Do you love Jesus? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, put your hands together. Let's give him some praise this morning. Amen. Thanks so very much for being with us today. I love that guy. Just Jeremy just got so much of the life of God in him. The praise team, just so thankful for all that the Lord is doing in their lives to, to work and come in and get everything ready so that we can provide and facilitate an atmosphere for you guys to come in and lift your praise to the Lord, for him to come and sit down in, in, in our midst. It's all about His presence. We are. That's our first primary value here at Victory, is to be a people of the presence of God. Like Moses said in Exodus, he said, if you're not going with us, we're not going. Uh, You know, too many places, everybody goes through the motions, and amen, they have a great program, but everybody shows up except God. I don't want to do church like that. We want His presence with us. Can I have an amen this morning? If you would, I want you to stand with me one more time. I know you just got comfortable, but let's read the Scripture together. From the book of Hebrews, the hall of fame of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, we've got about five verses, verse 8 through 12. Here we go. Read it out good and strong. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God, by faith. Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened, that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. Come on, put your hands together and let's give God some praise this morning. <laughs> Bow your heads with me for a word of prayer before you're seated. Gracious God and Father, thank you. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for an encounter with your presence today that no word of man can cast a doubt. To take it away. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come and you have touched our lives and you have breathed the breath of life into us. And the words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. Come today, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do show out among the people of God. Open our ears to hear, give us eyes to see, confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Lord, that lives would be changed and touched. Thank you that only you can do that. And we'll be careful as the people of God to give all the praise to God alone in the name of Jesus. That strong name that everybody said. You may be seated together in the presence of the Lord. David Ponder had just experienced a horrifying experience with bullets and cannon flying by. And he knew that he was in that moment of limbo between the experience of about to shift to another place. He'd done this three times now. He had, he'd pulled out the tobacco pouch from his pocket and inside he had wrapped up all of the papers with the messages that had been given to him from the start. He looked at them in review, he saw once again the piece of paper that he had received from President Harry Truman that said, the buck stops with me, and he unrolled the little tiny scroll that was given to him when he was in the presence of King Solomon, the greatest king in history, and it said, I will seek wisdom and he's holding the tobacco pouch that young Joshua Chamberlain, an ordinary man who had achieved a sense of greatness because of mere courage, stepping into the line of fire and literally changing the course of American history in the hinge point we refer to as the Civil War. He knew that he was in that place of transition, sort of in the anteroom, wondering where he was going to head to next. And He's feeling a sense of nausea. His, his senses cannot yet grip exactly what's going on because the floor underneath him seems to be rocking back and forth. And his stomach is beginning to heave. And all of a sudden the senses awaken and he starts to hear the lapping of water. And he looks up and he sees stars. And then there is this stately man standing there. And he realizes as he peers over the edge of the crow's nest that he's on a ship, he's on a boat, and he's in the middle of the sea, and he sees nothing but water all around. And it's not a big boat. This is an old boat. And he looks up and he sees the chiseled jaw and the the stately nose and the, the regal clothing of someone who looks like a person in history, Spanish history. And he introduces himself not realizing that he himself is speaking in perfect Portuguese, and the unknown attendant speaks to him and he says, I am Captain Cristobal Colon. As we know it in American history, the English pronunciation of his name is Christopher Columbus. And Christopher is standing there and he picks up David Ponder by the elbow and gets him to stand up straight. And he begins to pour out of himself the vision that he's had in his heart now for more than two decades. He waited for some 19 years enduring the jeering and the mocks of all of those who used to make fun of him because something was deep in the heart of Christopher Columbus that drew him to the sea, something that drew him to the water and to the expanse of and the dream of the possibility of finding a trade route to the east to experience a new place, a new world. David Ponder said, where are we going? Then he realizes, wait a minute, I know this story. I've been taught this in history. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. And he's recalling that in his mind as he's thinking about the presence of this one who is standing there. And they are 64 days into their journey and their supplies are starting to wane. And the crew is starting to grumble. Columbus has gone through the litany of sharing his vision on a regular day-to-day basis and it's carried them in for some time. But 64 days with nothing but water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink, nothing but salt water and the possible fear of sailing into the waters that are primarily populated by sea monsters. And there was still, even though Prevailing science of the day had already made the decision that the earth was no longer flat. It was still a prevailing idea among most people. And a lot of maritime men, sailors, still feared the idea of sailing to the edge of the flat earth and then falling off into the abyss of nothingness. Christopher had had an experience with God. Long before science had ever confirmed that the earth is a sphere, Isaiah 40 says the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. Christopher had studied the word and he'd sailed the ocean for the purpose of the glory of God. Sure, there was the desire of making history and making a name for himself, but there truly was. If you read through Christopher Columbus's journals, there is this thing that appears on a regular basis. This day we sailed westward. Some days nothing else accompanied those words. It was just this day we sailed westward. And if Columbus gives us anything, he gives us the the concept of persistence and perseverance. And he's going to pour that idea today in this particular installment in Andy Andrews, The Traveler's Gift. He's going to teach David Ponder that he has a decided heart. And so it's out of that that David begins to question Columbus And he talks about the vision that he has and it truly is captivating. And he talks about the land that is just beyond the bow of the ship. And David stands up to look and he says, where is it? Do you see it? I don't see it. And Columbus says, no, 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 you don't see it out there. Right now you have to look into my eyes to see the new land to which we are going. And that is the way it is in the walk of faith. Because there are circumstances in all of our lives that are screaming for our attention. But the Bible says that we walk By faith and not by what? Sight. And sometimes when we've been given, we've been conscripted by God, challenged to move into a destiny that we don't have all of the blocks, all of the pieces in the jigsaw puzzle have not yet formed a complete picture, but we have something that beckons to us. We have something that calls us into the greatness of God's calling in our lives. And Columbus felt the grip of God, the hand of God, gripping his heart. The sun rose, and the crew had already met and talked and said, Captain, we feel that we should turn back. And Columbus basically said, guys, we've been in this 64 days. We have about two weeks or less of rations of food left. If we do that, we would starve to death on the way home. We are well past the point of no return. We must proceed forward. And the crew once again heard the same litany, the same thing that Columbus had rehearsed before, over and over and over and over, telling the people that in the name of Ferdinand and Isabella and for the glory of God, we will discover a route to a new world, a place where the streams flow and the people will greet us like heroes and the water sparkles like diamonds. And he gave this speech over and over to the point that the men of the crew could actually recite it with him. But once again, it was almost as if the Spirit of God anointed Columbus and he shared the vision that he did. And the the fear and the doubt in the men's hearts were once again calmed. And they said, Captain, we will go with you. And he looked at David Ponder and he said, I have a decided heart. We will not quit. That's what faith does. What do Abraham and Christopher Columbus have in common? That's the question I'd like to ask today. They both set out on a vision or set out on a trek or a journey, a quest, heading to a place to which they had never been before. Abraham really, I mean, if there ever was anyone who could be descriptive of The sovereign choosing of God, it would be his testimony because Abraham was not seeking God. He was living in Babylon in Ur of the Chaldees. In Genesis chapter 11, you find his lineage. He's, you know, older guy at this point. He's already has his AARP card. He's he's into retirement age, but he's, you know, got some sheiks in the family, and so he's, you know, pretty well off. His name Abram literally means exalted father. Sarah, his lovely bride, beautiful when he married her, still at this point in life, even though she's older, is still lovely to look upon. But there's something that's missing. They've never been able to have any children. They had a dream once, like everybody else does, to have a house filled with laughter and Children running around and doing all the things that families do together. And Abraham and Sarah wanted that. But for whatever reason, they'd never yet been able to conceive and to bear children. And in Abraham's old age, God taps him on the shoulder and visits him. Abraham's not seeking God, but God is seeking Abraham. God knocks on his door, the door of his heart. And Abraham has an encounter with God that absolutely nothing can shake. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, give us the story. It says, God told Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. He says, I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God not only seeks Abraham, but he taps him on the shoulder and he gives him this crazy vision for the future, which is the second point that I have this morning. And that is that God gave him a vision with a promise. God says, I've got something for you to do. You have people to meet and places to go and things to see, and you've got to get up out of your comfort zone where you've always been. He lived in a time, folks, when people rather rarely traveled more than 20 miles out from the place they ever lived. Travel was just about non-existent. But God challenged Abraham to do something that very few others were doing at his time. He says, I've got a vision for you. I'm going to take you to a place that you're going to inherit and I'm going to give you a family that's going to populate it. Uh, God, I'm 75. Sarah is still... Pretty hot chick, but she's 65. <laughs> she's still got the moves, Lord, but uh, you know, we're a little bit old to be talking about having babies. God says, Leave your father, leave your country, leave your kindred. He says, I want you to get up because I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. Look at your neighbor and say, We are blessed to be a blessing. And folk can't help. Come on, come on, say it. Folk can't help, but bless me. And those who don't, got another thing coming. Those who bless you will be blessed. Scripture says those who curse you, God will, he he can take care of that too. He says, I'm going to make your name great. And he says, you're going to be a blessing to others. And literally through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham said, this is just about two good to believe he's like going god i need to wake up this is a late night infomercial this is too good to be true god says no this is not an infomercial this is an inspirational vision that i'm giving to you and he says i want you to look down and i want you to see all of the grains of the dust of the earth he says if you can count those grains he says i'm going to make your seed as numerable as the the specks of the dust Three times God gives Abraham a graphic. And actually his name is not Abraham yet. His name is Abram. Abram means exalted father. The second time at a point of a little bit of a discouragement. Maybe it was a valley. Maybe it was a few years into the vision and nothing had really happened yet. How many of you have ever had a vision before and you're just sure? Man, I've got the faith. Praise God. And then before you know it. Weeks turn into months, and months turn into years, and you just sort of put it on the back burner. Don't show your hands, but everybody in the room probably knows what I'm talking about. Well, maybe, maybe that wasn't a vision from God. Maybe that was just too much pepperoni on my pizza that night. Maybe I ate too many beans. No, you didn't get a bad pizza, and it won't nothing wrong with your beans. God gave you a vision. But God intends sometimes for us to reach a place in our own lives that we recognize that we cannot do this thing in our own strength, and if it happens, it'll have to be God. And so God waits, and God never is in a hurry. He he may not be there when you want him, but he's always right on time in the perfect timing of the Lord. And Abraham is challenged by God, he has an encounter with God that nothing can shake. God gives him a vision with a promise, and three times God gives him a graphic. The first time it's the dust of the earth. The second time he takes him out there by the water, it's the sand of the sea. But one time, and by this point, God's changed his name, and he says, You know what? You're no longer going to be called Abram. He said, I want you to be known as Abraham. Now, what's the difference between Abram and Abraham? And let's spell it. Let's spell it. Come on, A B R A M. Okay, now let's add ha to it. A-B-R-A-H-A-M. So what God does is is he takes Abram and he separates the M from the A and God puts a ha into it. God breathes ha. He inspires, He, he, he takes his very nature, his very life and he breathes into the deadness of Abraham's dead self. His personal inability to do anything about this. And God injects hope and faith. And Abraham hears the word. And the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Abraham hears it and his ears perk up and something burns in his chest. It's the same burning that Christopher has in the crow's nest looking for land that he can only see with the eyes of faith. Abraham... Abraham travels like a few folks I've known in my lifetime. I don't understand it. They just sort of get a wad of cash, and they just get in the car, and come on, Ethel, let's go, and they just get in there and they go, okay, we're going to drive west. We'll head out there to Oklahoma City, and then we'll go north, maybe up into Nebraska, and maybe go see the, the Black Hills, see the president's faces. You know, folks get in, they just, you know, stop along the way. Nothing's been planned. No hotels, motels booked, no resorts. But they're just sort of whatever's a vacancy open. They just pull in and they just see the sights that are there and have a good time. Some folk like to vacation like that. I can't do that. Before I leave, I know that the condo at the beach is waiting on me. It's already got the confirmation number. It's been held on my credit card and we're headed and I know exactly the route that I'm going to go. And that's just not the way that God deals with us. He doesn't plan the whole route for you. He he doesn't give you the whole picture of exactly the way it's going to be and all the stops you're going to make and the destination and the places you're going to get to go to and your tickets are purchased ahead of time. If God showed you what you were going to have to walk through to get you to this point, you probably wouldn't have taken the journey. Let's be honest. We've gone through some stuff that we really didn't make the deal for. Monty Hall deceived us. We've made a deal. you said, okay, God, I will. And guess what? Some stuff along the way that we didn't expect has come. And oh, but if we're really honest, I'm going to tell you, it's sometimes those places of desperation, the lowest of the lowest of the valleys, where Jesus and his presence has been the sweetest to me. And I've come to know him in a way that I have never known him before. When I had nothing left but all I could do was cry out and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, deliver me. And oh, my God, he answered my prayer. Abraham had those experiences but yet there's something by, by the time he has had three graphics and God has shown him the dust of the earth and the sand of the sea and one night at the point where God changed his name he said, I want you to quit looking down Abraham, I want you to look up and see the stars go ahead, count them 2, 3 1,894 1, 22,417 he says, yeah, they're innumerable if you'll be a man of faith and walk with me and trust me and grab a hold of this vision that you see with eyes of faith and nobody else can see, but you choose to believe it and you make the choice to not quit until you see it come to pass. He said, I'm going to cause i to cause a family to be birthed from your loins that are going to be greater than the dust of the earth and the sand of the sea and even the stars of the heavens. It's an innumerable bunch of people that will be born from you, old man. Yeah, you're old. What other excuses do you have? God laughs at your excuses this morning, saints. He is not concerned about the fact that you didn't get enough education, that you don't have enough money, that you're not as pretty as... He is or she is or strong as he is or, or have the ability to start a business and take a hundred and make it turn it into ten thousand. All the things that you say you can't do, God laughs at it. He says, this isn't about what you can do anyhow. Because I have a dream for you that it's going to take me to complete it. I have a dream that I'm trying to get birth down inside of you. Before Sarah can get pregnant, Abraham, you're going to have to catch the vision of this thing that it's not you and your ability and man it's a good thing because you know every day it's getting further and further away from the initial promise and he's getting older and older wrinkles are continuing to appear a little harder to get out of the bed in the morning oh, glory to God Sarah honey come here I don't want to offend anybody, and I'm not going to be crass. But there's only one immaculate conception in all of history. Think about it. So if God is going to give Abraham and Sarah a child, God's going to have to bring some life back into what's died. He got the promise at 75. This is way, way before there was any opportunity to have any medical help. I'll leave the rest of that alone. Y'all hearing me up in this place this morning? Abraham goes down to the local bar and grill and he's sitting there watching the game with all of his buddies. They're... WPS, Wu-Pig-Sui, they're, they're cheering for the hogs. No, wait a minute, they were Jews, they weren't cheering for hogs, okay. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> And Abraham, Abraham Abraham, looks at all of his buddies and he said, guys, listen. He said, I know you've been calling me Abe all these years, but I just, I've had an encounter with God. And he, he told me that I'm supposed to go by Abraham from now on. And, and, and by this time, the guys are just like, they're in a choke. <coughs> <laughs> Good one, Abe. <laughs> How old are you now? 86? <laughs> Abraham, you crazy man, you're hitting the you're hitting the sauce a little too much. You need to just back off of it, buddy. And they're making fun of him, they're deriding him. He's enduring. And every time he sees them, no, no, I told you, quit calling me Abraham. Don't, don't stop this abe mess. Call me Abraham. Ha! And every time he says that, it's a remembrance of God breathing the breath of life into him and giving him a vision with a promise. Now Abraham stepped out and he started going places and he's living in tents and he left the comfort zone. He started doing things he'd never done before and he's telling people that he's meeting. My name used to be Abram, which means exalted father, but now God has changed my name and he's given me the name Abraham, which means father of many nations. Yeah, he did. How old are you again now? You done been having that AARP card now for about 30 years, hadn't you? What are you, about 95? You're gonna have some children? Well, we'll see. How many of you know folks will take your vision and they'll throw it down on the floor and they'll stomp on it if you let them? But how many of you know, like Columbus who sailed westward, this day we sailed westward in spite of the possibility of a mutinous crew, he could see with eyes of faith. Abraham told his wife, Sarah, who even at one point laughed herself. ha, 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 this is ridiculous. She came up with a plan one day. She basically said, look, this is probably a promise that God is going to give to you and not to me. Abraham already had taken action. His belief began to demonstrate obedience. He told people to call him by a different name. He, he left the father's house. He left the country. He left his kindred. He got out of his comfort zone. He was obeying because faith will always call you to a place of trusting in God to the point that you will get obedient to him. Sarah came up with an idea one day. She basically says, listen, this is probably not for me. You know, maybe, maybe you can get some strength. And here, there's this, I got this pretty little, pretty young little Egyptian bond slave, maiden that's mine. Her name is Hagar. Why don't you take her and see if God will raise up a seed between you and her? Abraham said, Really? <laughs> now don't even look at me like that. I'm just preaching the Bible now. <laughs> Hades would freeze over before that would happen today. <laughs> and it's probably a good thing. <laughs> because she did get in a place of expectancy. And she started showing. And she turned on her mistress, Sarah, and began to mock her and her barrenness. And Abraham got a new little bit kind of a strut as he walked through the camp. Because he was proud. Uh huh, I'm 85, but look at there. Uh huh. Abraham still got his groove on. I told you to call me Abraham. Ha! And guess what? When that child was born, God said, Name him Ishmael. And Ishmael literally means the Bible says that he was a wild ass. Now, if that offends you, then you probably should put your King James Version away because that's exactly what the Bible says. God said he was a wild ass, which means he's unrestrainable, he's uncontrollable, can't be molded. What I want to tell you this morning is do not try to produce the promise of God in your own strength because you might actually get something of it on the way, but when you do, it never will be the blessing that God wants to send into your life. It's going to come your way, and guess what? You've got to feed that wild ass. Ishmael's going to grow up and he's going to get in your face. And when you do finally produce the real promise of God, he will mock the promised seed because he is not what God promised. And today, because Abraham made that bad choice, we still have the issues of what is going on in the Middle East between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac. We face it today. Abraham, his faith and his obedience produced a passion that propelled him to his destiny. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. There are some people that are sitting in this room. You have a vision. You have a dream. It may have been put on the back burner for a while. You might have already thought that it has died. Guess what? God is sovereignly tapping you on the shoulder today. And he's grabbing a hold of you and he's saying, look up to the stars of the heavens. And I'm going to breathe the breath of life into you and knock out all the things that are dead that cannot produce the promise of God because it's going to take my life in you to do it in the first place. And when Abraham got that fresh vision, it produced in him a passion that propelled him to his destiny. One of the things that Columbus said to David Ponder in the crow's nest was this. He said, passion produces or breeds conviction." And it turns mediocrity into excellence. Passion breeds conviction. And it turns mediocrity into excellence. But along the way, don't let your passion cause you to try to produce something, the promise of God in your own strength. Because when you do, you will produce an Ishmael. And then you've got to feed him. And he's wild. Yeah, Abraham, he looks like you. But he's got an Egyptian heart. And he can never be the fulfillment of the promise of God in your life. And so God basically said, no, 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 this is not the one. I have a son for you. And so Abraham is reminded once again, put some commitment with your faith. Hebrews chapter 6 says. Everybody say commitment. Put some commitment with your faith. Listen to this. I want you to read this out loud with me. Let's get this one verse. Here we go. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything God promised to them. God gave his word. Listen to this, same passage from the English Standard Version. It says, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Sometimes it's not just faith alone, but you've got to mix some patience with it because God... He's waiting on some things to develop and change in your life. Something to build an awareness of the fact that it's going to take a complete and a total trust in God alone. So that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself... Now, I don't want to offend anybody because, you know, we're taught not to say, I swear to God. But what this is basically saying is God swore by himself. There was none greater to swear by. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. By my very nature, he says, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't drag your feet. Forward, this day we sailed westward like Columbus you keep sailing the land's just over the edge of the bow like Abraham just keep on living keep on putting your trust in God last point and I'm finished God always gets the last laugh God always gets the last laugh You read the story of Abraham from Genesis 12 to about Genesis 24 and you have this whole account that unfolds with an old man who's married to a little bit younger, but yet she's elderly as well, lady whom he loves dearly, Abram and Sarai. And along the way, God gives them a picture, a vision with a promise, gives them three graphics he paints, dust of the earth, sand of the sea, stars of the sky. And in the process, God changes both of their names. And to Abram, God adds a ha, which becomes Abraham. And to Sarai, he changes her name to Sarah. And so God adds an ah, S-A-R-A-H, ah. And you put the two together and you get aha. ha Look at your neighbor and say, God gets, God gets the last laugh. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Have you got anything out of this today? Read this out loud with me. Come on, here we go. God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God did to Sarah what he promised. I love it already. That'll preach the rest of the day. Sarah became pregnant and gave Abraham a son in his old age and at the very what? Time God had set. Abraham named him Isaac. Does anybody know what Isaac means? Isaac means laughter. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> hey, ha <laughs> ha! Get in the house! Abraham Sarah? God prophetically breathed something into their lives, into the deadness of her womb, into the shriveled loins of an old man. And every time they called each other by name, they were prophesying the coming destiny and the blessing and the will of God. Oh, Abraham. (laughs) Yes, Sarah, how you doing, baby? (laughs) And Abraham and Sarah... God blessed and (laughs) was born. (laughs) Laughter. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him just as God had commanded. Abraham was how old? Which means he had to be 99 when the fireworks hit. (laughs) It's breaking out all over the place. (laughs) Isaac. God gets the last laugh. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter and all who get the news. (laughs) They're going to Isaac with me. She also said, whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah would one day nurse a baby. Help me, Holy Ghost. Yet here I am. I have given the old man a son. I love Eugene Peterson. I love the message. It's just, you just can't say it any better. I've given the old man a son. Next one. Or is that it? That's it. Look at your neighbor and say, God always gets the last laugh. And you know what? Somewhere along the way, he's chosen to breathe into you tap you on the shoulder, speak a word of encouragement, catch you not looking and sneaking a vision with a promise into your life, and help you begin to get a glimpse of a plan that he's had for you before you were ever a glimmer in your daddy's eye. Even the years that you might have endured when you grew up and somebody told you that you were no good and you would never amount to anything, God's love never diminished. As a matter of fact, it was poured out to a greater degree and he reached and he covered and he protected and he enveloped with his everlasting arms and he wrapped around you because he saw a woman of destiny. He saw a man, a warrior. He saw greatness in your life. And there's been seasons when you haven't been seeking after God and it was probably the prayers of your granny who was on her knees crying out to the Lord, praying for you. And I'm talking to somebody right now and I have no idea who it is. But somebody's in this room this morning and you really shouldn't even have been alive, but you made it through some seasons because you had somebody interceding and crying out to God for you. Because God had a bigger dream. He had a plan. He had a design. He had a mark on your life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that he's come into this place and he's tapping you on the shoulder. And he's looking at you and he says, look down and count. Look up and see. Begin to catch a vision with a promise that I'm going to give unto thee, says the Lord. Some of you are fighting some stuff in this room that is bigger than you are, and you don't have the ability, you've finagled it, you've maybe even some of you have known the Lord and you've had a promise and you've tried to bring that promise to pass in your own ability, and it's produced not just one but a couple of Ishmaels. It can be a habit that you currently can't beat. could be a marriage that's gone bad, a business that went under, some decisions that seem to still haunt you. Everybody in the room has a past.